0: Around my home, one of the things that uh, we like to do as a family is watch America's Funniest Home Videos. I don't know if anybody else likes those, but how long has that series been going on now? It seems to be a few years, right? One of the, the ones I love the best are the Christmas specials. The ones where you see, you know, the people falling into the Christmas tree, or you see, you know, the... The kid coming up during the Sunday school presentation and stealing the baby Jesus out of the manger and taking her back, you know. Those are great. But but I remember seeing this one a few years ago, and it was just a classic. There's this kid, and it's Christmas morning, and he is so excited. He and there's this big present under the tree, and he pulls that present out, and he starts ripping the paper off. And as he's ripping the paper off, you hear him getting more and more excited. He rips off the first bit and he says, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's just what I wanted. And he rips off some more paper and goes, Oh, I can't believe it. It's just what I needed. And he rips off some more paper. It's it's and then he suddenly realizes, What is this? You know, he had absolutely no idea what it was that he was getting. And 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 I I thought that was really funny, but you know, some people sometimes have the same approach when it comes to Christmas. They see Christmas as this happy time of the year. And they say, oh, it's just what I wanted. And as Christmas comes closer, oh, it's just what I needed. But the deeper in they get, they come to this point of saying, what is it? What is this celebration? What is Christmas all about? This morning I want to try to answer that question. It is amazing to me. That an event that took place more than 2,000 years ago can still cause traffic jams at Walmart today. Right? You know, something that happened so long ago still has such a lasting impact on the world today. Christmas has been called the hinge of history. The hinge of history. It's the thing that everything else rotates around. Even look at our calendars. Our calendars are based on Christmas. They're A.D. and they're B.C., right? Before Christ and in the year of our Lord. So what's so special about Christmas? What is it that makes Christmas such a unique event in world history? Well, to answer this question, I think we need to turn to what I think is one of the greatest explanations in the Bible of who Jesus was and what He came to accomplish. I want us to turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. I mind you to follow along in your Bibles and you can go back to it. I notes. If not, it's on the screen behind me. Philippians 2, 5 to 11 says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but He made Himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself, and He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted Him to the highest place, And gave Him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. What is this passage saying? There's a lot packed into these few short verses. This passage is basically saying to us three things. This morning It says, number one, what is the reality of Christmas? The reality of Christmas is the cradle. The reality of the Christmas is that God came to the earth for us. This passage says that our attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who even though He was in very nature God, Jesus was God. It says so in this passage, in in the verse that was read to us by Maria as we started this service. Then the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him. Think about that. When was the last time you went out in your backyard, or you were out camping, and it was really dark, and you looked up on a clear night, and you saw all the stars? Isn't that an amazing sight? Astronomers now tell us that there are about 70 sextillion stars in our universe. You know what 70 sextillion is? That's a 7 with 22 zeros behind it. That's a big number. okay? That's a big number. 7 22 zeros behind it. But imagine that the God that created that all those stars and most of those stars much bigger than our own sun the god who created all of that became a baby a helpless newborn baby it says in this passage that jesus did not e- consider equality with god something to be grasped what does that mean that passage used to bother me i remember as a as a as a student reading that passage and thinking, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't God. It means there the word grasp, harpagamos in the Greek. It comes from the root word which means to choose. In other words, Jesus made a choice. In eternity past, Jesus chose to take aside His deity, His His everything that He was, to lay aside the power and the might and the majesty that was His, and always was His, as He was a co-equal in creation with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He laid aside His majesty to become a newborn baby. It was a choice that Jesus made. And it is the greatest event that has ever happened. When President Nixon was President of the United States, he made a speech. And in that speech, he said at one point that the greatest moment in human history was when man walked on the moon. But Billy Graham got up afterwards and spoke and corrected President Nixon. He said, no, 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 President Nixon. It isn't when man walked on the moon. The greatest moment in human history was when God walked on the earth. And he's right. That was the greatest thing that has ever happened. The God Himself, the Creator God of all eternity, came and walked amongst us as one of us. Larry King was once asked in an interview, Larry King, CNN, I'm sure you've seen Larry King before, for many, many years he's interviewed all kinds of people. He was once asked this very interesting question though. He was asked, if you could interview anyone who has ever lived in history... And ask them one question, who would you interview and what would you ask them? And Larry interview answered almost immediately. He said, the one person I would choose to interview would be Jesus Christ. And my question to him would simply be this, were you born of a virgin? Because, he said, the answer to that question would define history for me. And he was right. He was right. It is the absolute center of everything that we are about. And the entire fate of the world rests upon that question. The birth of Jesus, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, was the greatest news story of all time. There's a lot of people today that still have a hard time with the thought that God became human. They see Jesus as a good moral teacher. They see Jesus as a person who lived, an ordinary man who lived you know, thousands of years ago that people just got misunderstood about, that people thought He was God when He really wasn't. But the Bible is very, very clear on who Jesus was and who Jesus claimed to be. I find it very sad that in today's world, with all of the stuff that's happening around us that we still miss the central meaning of what Christmas is all about, the choice that God made. I mean, even in Kuwait, you would go to the mall in Kuwait, the lights would be up, the Christmas trees would be up, and there'd be Christmas songs, you know, playing in the mall. If you listened closely, you could heal, Hail the newborn Prince of Peace! Hail the Son of Righteousness! in the lyrics of the song! And yet people just walking about doing their shopping, going about their their daily business, not hearing the underlying message of what was being sung. You watch the television, you see the gospel message again and again and again at Christmas time, and yet people still miss it. December the 17th, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright made the first flight of an aircraft, a powered aircraft. This was it, right here. This picture was taken. Their plane flew for 59 seconds and traveled 850 feet, which is basically the wingspan of a 747. After this picture was taken, they were so excited to let everyone know that we have finally flown an airplane for the first time. They went to the local telegraph office and they telegraphed sent a telegraph home to their family. This is what the telegraph message says. We have flown for 59 seconds. And then afterwards at the bottom they wrote, we will be home for Christmas. Their sister picked up the telegraph and she was so excited. I mean the very first time powered airplane had, had taken off and flown. This was a momentous occasion. And so she took the telegraph down to the newspaper office. And she went in to see the editor. And she said, oh, this is amazing news. This is wonderful news. Look at this telegraph. And the editor took the telegraph and looked at it and said, oh, yeah, this is great. I'll put something in the next edition of the newspaper. And a few days later, the local newspaper came out on page six. There was this little article at the bottom that said this, Wright Brothers Home for Christmas. Totally missed the message. Totally missed the importance of what the telegraph said. Totally taken out that first line, we have flown for 59 seconds. Unfortunately, the world today looks at Christmas and they see all the trappings, but they are missing the central message that at the very heart of Christmas is the cradle. The reality of Christmas is that God chose to become one of us, number one. But number two, what is Christmas? It's not simply the reality of Christmas. It's also the reason for Christmas. And the reason for Christmas isn't the cradle, it's the cross. You see, because Christmas makes no sense without Easter. If God simply chose to become one of us for the sake of becoming one of us, if He simply chose to come and live amongst us for a few years and then was whisked off the earth, what did that really accomplish? Jesus didn't simply come for a visit. It simply wasn't a social call. Jesus was born. He made the choice to be born so that He could make another choice. And that other choice took place 33 years later where Jesus chose to go to the cross for us. I always love in Easter that one passage where it says that everything is happening. Jesus is being whipped. Jesus is being beaten. He's about to be scourged. He's going to the cross. And Jesus says, do you not think that right now I couldn't call and all the hosts of heaven would come and rescue me from this? And it was true. All the angels of heaven stood ready to to step in, ready to intervene. If Jesus had said one word, if He had said, okay, I've had it, it's over, it would have ended instantly. They would have come and they would have taken Him and rescued Him. He had that kind of power and authority. But Jesus chose to surrender His hands. The people did not crucify Him. It was Jesus allowing Himself to be crucified. He chose to go to the cross. And it wasn't simply choosing to die. It was choosing to die in the most horrific manner ever devised by man. Choosing to go to the cross. Why did He do it? Why did He choose to go to the cross? John 3.16, that familiar passage, says it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have, everlasting life, that Jesus did it because he loved us. Heard the story of these grandparents and their granddaughter would come over and sometimes the granddaughter would catch her grandparents playing this game with each other. You see, since they were married, since the day they got married, this man and this woman had played this game that they would write on a piece of paper, Shmiley. S-H-M-I-L-Y, and they would find creative ways to hide that message for each other. So when the grandfather went on a business trip, the grandmother would write, shmiley a little piece of paper, and put it into his socks so that he would find them when he was on the trip. The grandfather would write, shmiley down, and put it in amongst the dishes so when the grandma was setting the, the table, she would find the little note. The grandma would go in, and in the steam on the mirror in the bathroom write, Smiley, so that when the grandfather went in and came out of the shower, the steam would reveal the words. All through their lives, their 60 years of marriage, they had played this game. They had written this word, Shmiley, and they had given it to one another. And when finally the grandmother lost her battle to cancer, at the funeral, there was a big wreath of flowers. And on that wreath were those words, Shmiley. And finally, one of their kids said, Mom, Dad, we don't get it. I mean, all these years you've been doing this, what does smiley mean? And the grandfather said, Smiley, see how much I love you. See how much I love you. You see, through 60 years of marriage, they had figured out the most creative ways possible of reminding each other on a daily basis of their love. Now let me ask you a question. In what ways has God revealed His smiley to you? In what ways has God revealed how much He loves you? He's written it in the sunsets. He's written it in the stars. He's written it in the face of your children sometimes. Had to add that. On mountaintop experiences and in deep, dark valleys, through His Word, time and time and time again, He has declared to us His love. His Word says in 1 John 4, 9, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus chose to be born amongst us. He chose to die for us. To show us how much He loves us and our value and our worth in His side. But that's the reality of Christmas. And that's the reason for Christmas. But there's one more. And that is the result of Christmas. It says in Philippians 2, that God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What is the result of Christmas? The result of Christmas is simply this, that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, everyone who has ever lived on this planet earth, every man, every woman, every nationality, every age group, every religion, every politician, rock stars, scientists, professors, housewives, everyone, one day everyone will stand before heaven, they will kneel, and they will declare that Jesus Christ is is Lord. The question is not if they will do it. The question is when they will do it. You see, we have the choice. We can choose to do it here. We can choose to accept and acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Place our faith and our trust in Him. Or we can wait until it's too late. We can do it by choice. Or someday we can do it when we stand in heaven and recognize that we were wrong. That we thought Jesus was something else. When really He was exactly who He claimed to be. Unfortunately for many people, that that day is going to be too late. It's going to be too late. One of Canada's most listened to spiritual talk shows is called the Drew Marshall Show. I don't know if anyone's ever heard the Drew Marshall Show. He's a radio talk show guy. He interviews Christian leaders, pastors, all kinds of very interesting people in issues related to spirituality and Christianity. Drew Marshall, a, a few months ago, shocked his audiences when during one interview he was talking to Rabbi Zacharias, who's a very well-known Christian leader. And he made the declaration during that show that he wasn't sure about his own faith anymore. That he wasn't even sure that God even existed. That he was having a crisis in his own faith. And he had come to a point of disbelief. I thought to myself, how very, very sad. How very, very sad. Here's a man that's been exposed to truth Here's a man that has seen and he's heard so much over his many years on the radio, interviewing all these very predominant people. And yet here's a man that has been so tainted by religion that he no longer is able to recognize truth. He's no longer able to see God's smileys that are all around him. And it's led him to a crisis of faith. For most of us here today, I think we've made that decision. For most of us here, we've already bowed our knee. We've already declared that Jesus is Lord. But maybe you're here this morning and you haven't done that yet. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still struggling with, why would God become one of us? Why would Jesus come to this earth? Can I end by saying this to you, that God did it for a reason. Jesus is our Creator, that is true. Jesus is also our Savior. But what Jesus wants is not simply to be Creator and Savior. What Jesus really wants to be, His friend. That's what God truly desires. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because it says this, it was for the joy that was set before Him. The joy? The crucifixion was joy? Being nailed to a cross was joy? No, it was beyond that. The resurrection? That was the joy? No, it was beyond that. The joy that Jesus is talking about is you, and it's me. That Jesus went to the cross because through the cross, He saw your face. Through the cross, he saw a relationship with you. When I was in Kuwait, I remember hearing this story that one of the ancient kings of Persia was a guy by the name of Shah Abbas. Shah Abbas was this incredibly wealthy ruler of Persia. He lived in this huge castle. He had servants all around him. He had this huge crown and these royal robes that he would wear when he made appearances. But Shah Abbas didn't like just playing the role of king. He he didn't like to just stay up in his palace. What he liked to do is take off his royal robe, and he would put on just the common clothes of a peasant, and he would go out of the castle, and he would walk amongst his people and get to know them. The story goes that one day Shah Abbas was in his royal castle, and he decided that he would just walk around his castle as a peasant. So he took off his robe, He took off his crown. He put on these dirty clothes. And he went down, down, down deep into the castle. Down to the very bottom where there were these men. And these men would stoke the fires that would burn so that the heat would come up and keep the castle warm. And in this dark, dirty little corner, there was this man that was sitting there feeding wood into the fire. That was his job. All day he would just sit there in the dark feeding wood into this fire. And Shah Abbas leaned because it was a very small room and he walked in and he sat down next to this man and started talking with him. At one point, the man pulled out his own lunch. It was just an old piece of moldy bread. And he broke it in half and he gave that half of a, a piece to Shah Abbas who ate it with him. And Shah Abbas went back many times. Many times he would go And he would sit with this man and talk with this man. And over time, they became friends. And one day, Shah Abbas decided, you know what? Today, I'm not going to take off my gown. I'm not going to take off my crown. Today, I'm going to go down and I'm going to tell that man who I really am. And I'm going to ask him what he wants of me. And whatever he wants, I will give it to him. And he went down with his royal robes on. And he entered into the room. And the man looked and he finally realized that this was Shah Abbas that had been visiting him. His friend was the king of the entire nation. And Shah Abbas said to the man, You have become a good friend to me. And I have come to give you a gift. Whatever you want, name it. I'll give it to you. And the man thought for a moment. And finally he said, I want nothing of you. Shah Abbas couldn't believe what he said. He he said to the man again, don't you realize who I am? Don't you realize my wealth and, and my position? I can make you a king. I can grant you a kingdom. I can give you anything that your heart desires. And the man answered, and he said this, I understand who you are, your majesty. But you have already given me the greatest gift a man could receive. You left your elegant surroundings and you have come to sit with me here in this dark and lonely place. You could give nothing more precious. You have given me yourself and that is far more than I could ever deserve. My only request would be that you never withdraw your gift of friendship. Man didn't want something from the king. He wanted the friendship of the king. And God came not simply to be our creator, not simply to be our savior, but to be our friend. To have a relationship with each one of us. That's what the crown is all about. The cradle speaks of God's creation. The cross speaks of God's sacrifice. But the crown speaks of the fact that God wants to live with you forever in heaven. God didn't simply come to redeem you. He didn't simply come to rescue you. He didn't come to simply do something for you and then walk away. The joy that was set before Him, Jesus came so that He could have a personal, lasting relationship with you. That He could know you and that you could know Him. And that is the reason for Christmas. More than a century ago, Argentina and Chile were at a point of war. It was 1902, and it looked like that December that the two countries would go to war against one another. They had pulled in their cannons, their bronze cannons, and they were pointing these cannons at each other over the Andes Mountains. The world asked, that Argentina and Chile please reconsider. They asked them to arbitrate their differences. Around the world, millions of Christians were praying for them, that God would somehow intervene. And you know what? God did. Around Christmas time, the two nations finally made a peace treaty with one another. They said, you know what? Let's put an end to our hostilities. And they took those bronze cannons, those bronze cannons that they had faced at one another, and they melted them down. And from those bronze cannons, they created a bronze image of Jesus. And if you go to the border of Chile and Argentina today, high up in the Andes Mountains, you will find the statue, Christ the Redeemer of the Andes. His one hand is stretching out, to bless the nations of Chile and Argentina. And in His other hand is the cross, the instrument of His redemption. On that statue there is a plaque, and that plaque reads in Spanish, Sooner shall these mountains' crags crumble to dust than Chile and Argentina shall ever go to war again with each other. That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Made from instruments of war, Jesus stood as a means of peace between these two nations. And Jesus stands today as the means of peace between us and God. The cradle tells us that God chose to come and become one of us. That's how much God loved you. The cross tells us that Jesus chose to come and give His life for us. Because God loves you. And the crown tells us that God wants us to have a personal relationship with Him. This Christmas season, I just want to encourage you, amongst all the busyness, the tinsel and the trees and the presents and all the trappings of Christmas, don't miss what's most important. God wants to spend time with you. God wants you to spend time with Him. Would you take some time this Christmas season to once again just spend time in His presence? Just go to Him in prayer. Just read that Christmas story over once again to your children to spend time getting to know again the One who came and who gave His life for you. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank You for the wonder of christmas father the, the miracle of the birth the wonder of the cross but father mostly at the heart of christmas is a relationship with a person it's that jesus came so that he could get to know us so that he could invite us to be with him in heaven forever that there is redemption and there there is restoration that is offered in the cross and in the cradle. There is a crown that awaits each one, a relationship with God in heaven. And so, Father, I pray once again, in the busyness of these weeks, Father, remind us again of the true meaning of Christmas, what Christmas is all about. Thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name.